the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along today, the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. Kath is off again today. She is suffering through some, uh, a bout of crud, I guess is the best way I could say it. Uh, not quite sure of uh, what's going on, but... Uh, it, it, have you had this? Uh, this is going on in my own sort of, you know, bronchial thing. There's just a little crud is what I would call it. Anyway, such is life. Hope that wherever you are today that um, you're healthy, inhale, and uh, looking forward to uh, the next two hours as I am. I, I grew up in a, a faith tradition that um, every time we got together, every time we worshipped, you, you heard, peace be with you. And the refrain, of course, is, and also with you. Peace be with you. And I've been thinking about that. Uh, you know, we just come through Easter here not that long ago. But, you know, of all the ways that Jesus uh, could have greeted the apostles on Easter Sunday, he chose those four simple words. Peace be with you. And it's very easy to glide over this greeting, but uh, opening messages like this tell us a lot. Remember, now Jesus had just risen from the dead. He had just fulfilled God's century-long plan of salvation. He had just overthrown the devil and opened heaven for all those who believe. And now the time had come to reveal himself to his closest friends. And it was time to reveal himself in their salvation and the miracle of the resurrection. So you would think, well, maybe he had something like really deep to say as his opening remarks, right? Those big crucial moments. But instead he chose this everyday offering that we say, that greeting. And yet I think for all of its informality, this greeting really captures the heart of what we should be as believers, the gift of peace that Jesus offered his apostles so that we can know that same peace, hopefully, in our own hearts, minute by minute, day by day, month by month, year by year, which is as slippery and as elusive as the sifting sands on the beach, right? I mean, of course, when you think about, you know, the apostles, whenever they first encountered Jesus, first of all, they had to be gobsmacked, right? What? I thought you were dead. They were not in the most peaceful state. They had seen Jesus arrested and crucified, and they uh, experienced their own weaknesses. They hid. They were cowards. And so, I mean, rather than hold on to the promise that he would rise again, they gave up to the fear and the doubt of the age which was upon them. But when Christ appears, he didn't say, hey, what's up with you guys? Thanks a lot for hanging in there with me. Instead, he just, he wished them peace. 
Peace be with you. I mean, those words remind us of the words that Jesus spoke right to the women, a woman who was caught in adultery. All of her accusers had walked away. And Jesus said, I, I don't condemn you. And go on, go, and don't sin anymore. Right? They also remind us of how Jesus said when Peter, hey, depart from me, Lord, because uh, I'm a sinful man. He didn't join, Jesus didn't join Peter in that negative self-assessment. No, he didn't recite a list of his sins and failings. All he said was, hey, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. That's your job. And in both those stories, and of course, many, many more in the Bible, Jesus' main goal was to show that he did not come into this world to, to condemn us, but to save us. He didn't want a relationship with us marked by vengeance or retribution or anger. All he wanted was for us was to be at peace and be at peace with him. So what are those words, peace be with you, say to us? I think that they say that no matter how many times we sin today, no matter how grievous our offenses are, God stands always ready to forgive us. And I, I know this, the, the peace that God offers us is not the peace of this world. I mean, the world's peace, of course, depends upon favorable conditions and our getting our own way and, you know, things going as expected. It sounds real nice, right? Yeah, hey, things are smooth sailing, but then they're not. And then we're not at peace. But with Jesus, all we got to do is, is lean in and to the best of our abilities, Love him, know him, be in relationship with him. I don't know. It's a brutal world. I'm not telling you something you don't already know. Isn't it? It, it feels post-pandemic that we've always been an angry and murderous lot. That's who we are as human beings. But with the onset of media, mass media, and then on top of that, the newest you know branch of the tree, social media, that just makes us so deeply unhappy. Everyone is the enemy. Everyone is suspect. Everyone is the other guy. Not my tribe, not me, not you. So on this day, I say, peace be with you, because none of us are going to be perfect disciples. There are going to be days, of course, when we disappoint Jesus or our wife or our husband, always our kids, our employer, ourselves. But we are much more, I know this, I know this, and I know you know this, we're much more than the, the failings, the sum of, our, our, of all of our mistakes. We're more than the sum of our successes, and our breakthrough is true. We're beloved by God, and we are chosen. And if you really believe that, right, and we are chosen by God, well, he's not interested in reviewing all of our past sins. He isn't interested in questioning all of our current motivations. All he wants us to do is to point us to the love that already is in our hearts, to expand upon that. The more peaceful we are, the easier it is to follow Jesus. I know that. And I can get crabby as much as anybody. Ask my wife. <laughs> so, Wednesday afternoon, peace be with you and yours. We'll take a quick break, come back. Uh, Pastor Josh Brown is going to join us in a few minutes. He's going to talk about God's providence. Uh, if you don't know, this is Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. 
It's the ride home. Stay with us. WORD. We're Ann and Dave Wilson. You know, marriage and parenting are not easy. And we're certainly not marriage experts or perfect parents, but we've learned a few lessons over 41 years of marriage and three sons, and we want to pass those along to you, and we'll also be joined by special guests. So join us here each weekday for Family Life Today, as together we pursue the relationships that matter most. Family Life Today, tomorrow morning at 9 on 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. People ask me sometimes, Lance, I'm worried about my finances and I feel bad because I shouldn't be worried, right? I realize that inflation is going to be eating up money. I've got to do something to get around this crazy stock market and Biden's spending spree. Gold has, since the beginning of time, been the resource that God's people have relied on. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, is what the prophet Haggai said during a time of great shaking. To protect your retirement, I recommend that you diversify your 401k or IRA right out of paper assets and into physical gold. And the best way to do that is with Gold IRA from the Birch Gold Group. I want you to text the words FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898 and get a free info kit on Gold IRAs. There's no strings attached to this, so just text FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898 and see what I've discovered here about gold and its ability to stabilize your investment and create a storage of wealth for you in unsteady times. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he's discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now has a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, coolest pillow you'll ever own. Hey, this is John Hall. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code word. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code word or call 800-391-0954 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. Learn more at SurroundPittsburgh.com. SurroundPittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. SurroundPittsburgh.com. I have a very good friend who, whenever the topic of faith comes up, he'll laugh and he'll always chide me. He'll say, John, thank you for trying to bring order to the random and chaotic nature of the universe. Those are his words. Thank you for trying to bring order to the random and chaotic nature of the universe. And then he laughs. And I love this guy. And I know he loves me. But... Is that a thing, really? Is is that the best you got, the random and chaotic nature of the universe? Reverend Josh Brown is with us again. He is a regular guest on our show. He's the senior pastor of Belfield Presbyterian Church in the Oakland neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. Hey, Josh, how are things? 
John, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again. I Always a pleasure. It. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Okay, so the random and chaotic nature of the universe, um, that sort of flies in the face of God's providence, does it not? It does. And th- those are, I mean, there are variations of those two options, but uh, those, those are really the ways that you can look at what's happening just in life and in the world around you. It is either all just entire happenstance and, and there's no rhyme or reason to anything, or there is some kind of purpose or intention that is there now just because you've made just because you made land on that spot doesn't mean you've gotten quite to a, a biblical view of god but yeah you've got to you've got to have some way of saying well, what is happening and why yeah what is happening and why okay so uh biblically take us someplace that sort of shows us you know the, despite the despair in this world there's always good hope yeah, I mean, biblically, the place that I think shows it uh, as well as any place is in the Minor Prophet in the book Habakkuk, and it's uh, a book that maybe not uh, people, not many people are as familiar with it as they should be. Uh, it's it's one of the twelve Minor Prophets. You get right there at the end. It's a very short book, just three chapters, um, but it's a very fascinating one. And uh, to to kind of quickly summarize the book, it begins with the prophet uh, saying saying to God, "Things are awful around me. I see injustice and wickedness everywhere. I see violence." And, and if what what is going on? If you are God, why are things this way? And it takes a surprising move because the first thing God responds to him is by saying, "Well, it's actually about to get worse. <laughs> Let me tell you about the Babylonians." <laughs> Great. And, and so he says they're going to come in and, and make things even worse for people. And Habakkuk again responds with, "This doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get this." And and God says, I'm doing something that you you wouldn't understand even if I told you. Even if I tried to explain it to you and told you, you wouldn't be able to understand it. But I want you to remember who I am. And there, there's a conversation that happens. Again, it's not a terribly long book, but, but in that, it moves from Habakkuk at the beginning saying, everything is terrible. The world is falling apart. My life is falling apart. I don't understand this. If you are God, why are things this way? And that's where it begins. And at the end of it, uh, it has a very powerful closing. At the end of chapter 3 is where he says, though the fig tree, this is chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. And that kind of poetic imagery might not resonate as much with us, but for an agrarian society, if, yeah. if there were no crops that year, that was deadly. If there were no figs on the trees, if there were no vines that were growing, if there were no herds that were there, um, that, that, that is what you had. That's what you needed to survive. And he's saying, even if none of those things are here, in other words, even if my life is over, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Mm. And, and you, you can read that and say, how did he get there? <laughs> How did he get there? I mean, so we can't, you know, we are not agrarian here in the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, And for the most part, you would think that our lives, I mean, there have been, you know, a few major calamities, the pandemic notwithstanding. But, you know, we're not facing major wars or economic collapse. But in everyone's life, Josh, right, there is loss and sorrow and despair. There is separation from God. And of course, you know, self-loathing and all that goes with it, right? So life is still hard. So we can understand those those feelings. We can. They certainly resonate. And and 
yeah, his, his feelings throughout that book, even if the context is very different from ours, the feelings are incredibly identifiable. We, we recognize those immediately. You're right. And and you could maybe, if you wanted to, you know, paraphrase or update some of that, he could be saying, hey, even if the stock market, like you said, even if the stock market crashes and if there's a pandemic, if there's war, if there's some disease that hits close to home, even if those things happen, I'm still going to rejoice in the Lord and take joy in the God of my salvation. And you could you could think that there's a few reasons why somebody might do that. One is maybe they're just blissfully naive. You know, somebody could level that criticism against him and say that's just that's just wishful naive thinking. Uh, or you could say no, maybe Habakkuk had a deep understanding of who God is, of God's faithfulness to His promises, of God's faithfulness to His purposes, and that though we may not see them played out in the way that we might expect, or we might not even see all of it right now, God's goodness will be shown in the end that is beyond any question or beyond any dispute. And if you understand that, and if you know what God has done for you in Christ, and how Paul can say at the end of Romans 8, there's not anything that can possibly separate you from the love of God in Christ. If you know those things, then you can say, okay, I know what is ultimately true, even if everything around me is falling apart. Yeah. Uh, so, again, Josh, right, we're not tested, right? There, there may be p- people who are listening right now who say, what's this guy talking about? My kid's at you know UPMC Children's, and he's got cancer. And yeah. how, how is God fair with that? Where is you know the providence and nature of God when I'm suffering and my kid's going to die? Yeah, and those are very fair questions. And uh, unfortunately, I think sometimes so, – so there are – believers who have a good understanding of God's goodness and his purposes and his plan. And I think they can be very, they can have well and good intentions, but sometimes it can be a little flippant to say to people in those moments, hey, don't worry about it. God has a plan. Uh, As as theologically true as that may be, that's not the best thing to say in those moments, uh, because it does sound a little, it it can sound a little bit calloused. But if you're able to spend time with somebody and and go through the hard times with them, and as Paul says, weep with them when they weep, and acknowledge, yes, this is really difficult, but there is something that has been promised us that transcends these things and that does lie in store for us on the far side of suffering, um, then then you can start to see why this can be a, a doctrine of hope, certainly more so than just everything is happenstance and the the random chaotic nature of the universe right. or however your friend phrased yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it, it's what led, you know, just, you know, for example, John Calvin once famously said that if you, if you know of God's providence, that's, that's the chief blessing. And if you are ignorant of that, that's one of the chief curses you can experience. Meaning, mm-hmm. if you think everything is just entirely random and there's no, there's, there's no good God behind things, then of course you're going to fall into despair. Um, any, but it doesn't mean that the hard things go away. It doesn't mean that. Right. So how then do you capture and and hold tight to the providence of God? Um, we I know we've talked about this on, on the show here together before, but one of the places I think you can see this is Psalm 77, where the psalmist, uh, Asaph, wrote that one, and at the beginning he cries out and says, God, I don't, I'm not even sure if you're good. I'm not sure what's going on. I don't even know if you're still here. And then he very intentionally says, you know what, I'm going to remember what I know to be true about God. And he goes on to describe the Exodus, the parting of the Red Sea and the Exodus out of Egypt, which he was not there for personally. He's remembering God's saving actions in history. Uh, and I think what that looks like for us on this side of Jesus' death and resurrection 
is if we say, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why this is hard, but let me let me remember how your love was displayed to me in Jesus, what it meant to know that he lived for me, that he died for me, that he lives now for me, that you fulfilled all of those promises in Jesus. Let me remember that, and that can let me know that even in the dark moments now, uh, you are here, you are good, you are God, and you are working these things together for good, ultimately, even if right now I don't see that. Hmm. That's so good. Just we do ourselves a disservice, right? I mean, because uh, as believers, some people are caught up in controversies of, you know, uh, Bud Light and Target. And, you know, that's their world. And we miss sort of the, the greater glory of God's providence. I mean, it's easy to get distracted, but it feels as though, especially in this day and age, we sort of border on the ridiculousness and forget the eternal. Uh, yes, we can do that quite easily. And this idea of God's providence uh, applies itself to all areas of life, not just not just the suffering times, the good times. Also, it reminds us that every good and perfect gift comes to us from above, as James says. So when the good things happen, it reminds us that. When we see things uh, that are causing us distress around us, or when, we, or when we think, I can't, I don't, why is the world going this way? What is happening in the world? Uh, it can, again, remind us, okay, I, d- I don't know these things. I don't understand these things. Uh, but God is God is not uh, an absent and that like kind of like an absentee landlord or something like that. He, he is here. He is doing. He is accomplishing something. Um, this is what He has said He will do, and He will accomplish those things. So in those moments where we say, "All right, I'm getting I'm getting myself uh, all worked up or all bent out of shape of some of these things," it, it gives us, I think, a balance where we can say, "No, these some of these things some of these things matter, and and some of these things are important to really engage in and, and to." Uh, uh, to invest in and, and to be active in, but we've also got to remember that I, I am not the one who's got my hands at the wheel of history. <laughs> so, so no matter so no matter how much I throw myself into this thing, um, God's purposes are going to unfold here. But that also means we don't just sit back and do nothing. Um, it gives us, I think, a confidence to engage in the world in the way that God has called us to, while also reminding us that we are not ultimately responsible for the destiny of the world. Mm, that's good. So we should do something to further the the glory of God's kingdom, right? You just, sure, you, of course. I mean, you don't want to like, yeah, okay, just like the news things of the day, I don't necessarily need to go picket or boycott. I don't want to stick my head in the sand. I do know God's providence but I, I should speak in some way. Yes. Yeah, it, it's, it avoids, or it should enable us to avoid uh, some of those extremes, right? So he, another passage where I think you see some of these contours mapped out, uh, when Paul was writing to Titus, uh, for example, and Titus was one of the young leaders that Paul had mentored. He is planning a church in Crete. Paul's writing to give him advice. Uh, he says in chapter 2, he says that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. So one good little reminder of the gospel there. He says, that trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So that's saying there is a way that you should live in this world. Mm. Right after that, he says, we are, because we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Now, there's a lot in there, but yeah. the reason I read that whole thing is that you hear him say, couple things in there. He says, remember what God has done for you in Jesus. Now, that means that you wait patiently for Jesus' appearance, 
but it also means that you're zealous for good works. So it's both of those things. It, it's a it's a willingness to engage in the things that God has called us to do, to renounce ungodliness, to pursue good works, but also to rest and wait for what it is that Jesus will do when he returns. So it's, it's, it's both of those things mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, which can be a hard balance to maintain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just the nature of living a life, of Christian life, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're talking with Josh Brown. He's uh, the pastor of Belfield Presbyterian Church. It's in the Oakland neighborhood, right across from the Belfield, uh, from the, uh, the towers at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, Josh, uh, there you are in the middle of um, the university campus and the, the healthcare campuses. Uh, what goes on at Belfield? Talk to us about uh, worshiping and gathering. Yeah, because of our location, uh, we feel very called to try to minister to those communities, to the university communities, uh, Pitt, University of Pittsburgh, also CMU, Chatham, others that are nearby. So we we do what we can to minister to the university communities, to the medical communities that are around us. Uh, but we have people who come from all over the area to, to be a part of that. A lot of them maybe had experienced some of that care during their time mm-hmm. in one of those settings uh, and continue to be a part of that. So congregation is a pretty wide range of uh, just ages and life stations and all kinds of things here. And yet we see the location that we have as a really unique place to, to care for those communities Uh, for people who are oftentimes here for just a season. And so if we can make sure that they experience and hear about the love of Jesus during the time that they're here, uh, then that's what we want to do. Very good. Josh, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. You as well. Pastor Josh Brown, Belfield Presbyterian Church in the Oakland neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. God's providence in our lives. We'll take a quick break. We're just getting underway with the uh, Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. We're talking about Sabbath oh, next. Oh, my papa, to me you are so wonderful. Oh, my papa, to me you are so good. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse. I'm a little biased, but I think we five minor kids got the best dad around. Let's celebrate those special men in our lives with a Springhouse Father's Day steak fry and chicken barbecue. My brother Sam and his boys will crank up the barbecue pit outside and grill the chicken quarters and the New York strip steaks with our special Father's Day marinade. Come hungry for all the fixins to go with your steak or chicken hot off the pit. Top off the meal with a brownie or blondie, something to suit every dad's taste or any of our other sweet creations. Of course, every dad is treated to a Springhouse ice cream cone and we'll have live music all day too. Visit the calves out in the play area and plan to have a memory-making day on the farm at the Springhouse in 84 PA. 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. If you have unfiled taxes or are in debt to the IRS, this is important news. The IRS just rolled out a new program to help struggling taxpayers more easily resolve their tax problems. It's called the Taxpayer Relief Initiative, and it opens up powerful new options for people looking to get back on the right track with the IRS. And no one knows this program like the professionals at Optima Tax Relief, America's most trusted tax resolution company. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients and have the expertise and experience to help you. One easy call to Optima can start the process, helping to put an end to your worries of wage garnishment, asset seizure, and other aggressive IRS actions. Make today the beginning of your fresh start with the IRS. Call the experts at Optima Tax Relief now for your free confidential consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? Want it done right, call doing it right. 724 New Roof. 
Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Hey, Mom. I appreciate you stopping by, but I've got to get going soon. Really? Where are you going? The kids and I are going to get our seasonal flu vaccines. Glenn already got his at work. I get mine every year because I'm older, but you're all young and healthy. You don't need it. Actually, we do. Glenn's boss lost a nephew to the flu last year, and he was a totally healthy kid. And my friend Maria always gets her kids vaccinated. Her doctor told her 20,000 kids are hospitalized because of the flu every year, and some even die from it. So it sounds like getting them vaccinated is the right way to go. Getting vaccinated instead of risking the flu is the right choice for all of us. Seasonal influenza is a serious disease that kills about 36,000 Americans each year and results in more than 200,000 hospitalizations, including over 20,000 children. Health officials recommend annual vaccination for all kids 6 months through 18 years. Get fluent. Learn the flu facts. Visit preventchildhoodinfluenza.org. We'll see clear skies for tonight. Expect a nighttime low of 55. Tomorrow, sunshine, very warm. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 88. Clear and moonlit tomorrow night with a low of 59. Mostly sunny and hot Friday. We'll reach a high Friday of 90. A moonlit sky Friday night with a low of 64. Partly sunny Saturday, very warm. Couple of afternoon showers at a high of 89. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. So just coming through the uh, the longer Memorial Day weekend, you know, if you're working five days a week, that extra day is kind of like, you know, money in the bank, isn't it? So on Sunday, especially, that, that sort of middle day of a long holiday weekend, I really I tried to uh, surrender to the, the true essence of, of the Sabbath. Um. You know the Jews, in many ways, uh, they, they did not they did not build great cathedrals in space. But their greatest accomplishment, in some ways, was the cathedral in time, the Shabbat, or the uh, the twenty four hour period of rest. Six days a week, we live under the tyranny of things of space, but on the Shabbat, we try to become attuned to the holiness in time. Uh, the Sabbath first appears in the uh, biblical story of creation in which God says, I rested on the seventh day from all the work which uh, he had done. Observance of the Sabbath also is in the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. But my guess is, you know, most of us, and myself included, raising my hand here, it is difficult. We find it difficult to truly keep an honorable Sabbath, to do nothing. So on Sunday, I, I, I sat in the yard, and I turned my phone off, and uh, that, that alone for me, you know, for, I think for most of us, it's like an act of courage. You reach over and you, you turn that thing, power it down, put it away. I'm so attuned to, to having that thing with me that when it's not with me, that I feel naked. Do you feel that way? You get, uh, you know, uh, like a little twitchy. I, I get a little, a little anxious, like you're, like you're naked in the world. What a sickness we, we created. And so the Sabbath, to do nothing. I mean, yeah, of course, you're going to do something. But to not work, to not prosper within that. To instead, you know, allow idleness to come upon us. To be 
that dreaded word in our society, lazy to some extent, to yearn, to relax, to surrender. The Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And we keep it holy by surrendering to the will of God and to rest because as he rested, then so should we. Anyway, I've just been thinking about that, about being busy all the time, all the time. And I believe that's, you know, we live under the premise of false busyness. People say, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. And, you know, meanwhile, you'll you'll spend hours, you know, streaming, you know, Prime or Hulu or HBO or whatnot. And uh, that's busyness, I guess. We all need a rest, don't we? We're We're all just exhausted in some way or another. So truly to have a Sabbath, wouldn't that be great? I mean, when you hear about people taking sabbaticals, you know, the extended Sabbath, what a gift that would be, right? To have a sabbatical, a true sabbatical. Anyway, just some thoughts. We'll take a quick break, come back. We're going to go to Nairobi next. Ann Kennedy's with us. Her and her husband have just traveled back from Nairobi. And that story straight ahead. It's the ride home. Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. WORD. Coming up on Real Life Radio. If he started to work in your life, he's going to finish it. How's he going to finish it? My friend, he's got all the tools. He's got all the hammers, nails, plaster, lumber. He's right there. You're to be drawing near to him. You're to be diligently seeking him. And he will complete the work. Real Life Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. Weekday mornings at 1130 on 101.5 Word FM. Wesley is a truck driver. I drive a truck and I love what I do. A truck driver with IRS troubles. They told me I owed them $43,000. It got really bad. <laughs> Quite a few letters in the mail. They were talking uh, about wage garnishment, coming after my house, my car. Yeah, they, they don't play around. I seriously thought that I was going to lose everything. One sleepless night, Wesley finally made a call to Optima Tax Relief at 2 a.m. Kind of figured I'd get a machine, but I didn't. I actually got to talk to an actual person in the middle of the night. He found just what he was looking for. Oh, they were great people. You need a team of people that know what they're doing. Optima Tax, they know what they're doing. Optima Tax Relief came through with flying colors. I saved an incredible amount of money. Happy, don't even come close. I was absolutely overjoyed. Take Wesley's advice. If you're in any kind of trouble with the IRS, call Optima Tax Relief. Don't trust anybody else. Call Optima for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Tax Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Let's be real. Retirement is expensive, and inflation is making it even harder with the cost of everything going up from pet food to a dozen eggs. Wouldn't it be great if the cost of your health care could go down? Well, MediShare 65 Plus is $99 a month for ages 65 to 74. And for many with Medicare Parts A and B, looking at other options, that's 50% or more saved per month. No gimmicks. It's $99 a month, and you can use any Medicare-approved doctor or facility, and you get 24-7 access to telehealth from the convenience of your home. Better yet... MediShare is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's a community that will pray for you and encourage you. And since we've cut out the middleman, you get to keep the savings. Call now. You can learn more about MediShare 65+. Here's the number. 833-SHARE-55. That's 833-SHARE-55. 833-SHARE-55. In the ever-changing landscape of sexual and identity politics, how should the church respond? 
Monday, June 12th, Trinity School for Ministry continues its pastoral response series with the rise and triumph of the modern self. A day-long seminar plus evening public lecture with renowned author and professor Dr. Carl Truman to help pastors, youth pastors, parents, teachers, and students understand how we got here and how to address the challenges ahead. The 7 p.m. public lecture is free. For seminar registration, go to tsm.edu slash pastoral. And Kennedy's back with us. She's a writer. Her book, which you love, nailed it. 365 sarcastic devotionals for angry and worn out people. She also uh, blogs. She's got a sub stack. She's got a lot going on. And uh, herself just back from something called GAFCON. Hey, Ann. How you doing? Great. How are you? I can't complain. Cass not here, which always puts a damper on things, you know. Is she doing all right? She's resting well. She's resting. I I should say that. Yeah. She said she woke up this morning with, she felt like there was a knife in her throat. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know what that's all about. Yeah. Okay. But you're globe, you're globe trotting you and your husband, Matt, right? Uh, You're in Rwanda. You were in Rwanda. Yes, we were in Rwanda for five days for the global Anglicans futures conference. And uh, we, and then we also stopped over in Kenya on the way to and from to uh, check in on things there and see how they were doing. <laughs> all of those people. <laughs> nice. Gafcon. I mean, it sounds like a sci-fi convention or something, but it was far from it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's right. Anglicans dressing up as Anglicans. I don't know what the. Uh, no, it is really strange because Gafcon is a a movement. It's the it's the alternative option for faithful Anglicans around the world if they don't want to be in churches that have compromised on various theological issues. Yeah. Uh, but the movement is is called GAFCON all the time, even when there's no conference going on. So, And some people think it's kind of odd, like GAFCON, uh, but, you know, we're that's what we do. We do odd things as Anglicans yes. around the world. So that's kind of cool. So people from all over the globe came together and you were doing what you're trying to figure out the future of Anglicanism in the world uh yes this was the third um no the fourth sorry the fourth GAFCON it meets every five years every other time it meets in Jerusalem and so the very first one established a, a jurisdiction for Americans but subsequent GAFCON meetings have made uh provision for Anglicans in New Zealand, Australia, and then this latest one in England, because um, the Church of England has compromised on uh, human sexuality. And so they, um, this this meeting was specifically to deal, talk about that issue, how the Archbishop of Canterbury is not um, doing his the job that he's supposed to be doing. And it was very cool because I got to be on the writing team that has crafted the the commitment that came out at the end. So I spent the whole week, all my time in Kigali, in a room with no windows, eating uh, little bits of um, cookie and nuts and working through the night. So it was super fun. <laughs> Sounds very glamorous, Anne. <laughs> I know. I didn't get to see anything of Rwanda at all, except for the airport. <laughs> the okay, but in the end, though, you felt like you did some good work, yeah? I mean, it's interesting, you know, the Church of England just came up because, you know, they uh, a new king has taken the throne, and, and I watched some of this. Um, th- there's a lot of window dressing, but the, the Anglican Church in England is certainly different than the Anglican Church worldwide. Is that fair to say? 
Well, the Anglican Church worldwide is comes from the Anglican Church in England. And yeah, it, it looks different all over the world, but it shares the prayer book and worship and um, belief, uh, the same articles of religion. So it, 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 was, it was heartbreaking to watch the Archbishop of Canterbury, um, Justin Welby, tell the new king that he needed to obey the scripture and, and uphold the faith when he hasn't been willing to do that himself. So it's a little bit ironic, but Anglicans do do those kind of big productions very well. That's one of their best things. Pomp and circumstance. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in my limited knowledge of Anglicanism, I mean, you know, here in the United States, right, uh, the Episcopal Church um, has splintered off, and so many of those um, have become Anglicans, right? Well, so the Episcopal Church, there there are two, quote, Anglican jurisdictions in many countries now, but uh, usually one is in communion with Canterbury and one is not. And so the Episcopal Church is recognized by the Archbishop of Canterbury, but my church, the Anglican Church in North America, is not recognized. I see. But what this latest GAFCON meeting did was say, we don't recognize the Archbishop of Canterbury. We, we as a global Anglican movement, don't recognize him anymore. So uh, he can say, I don't recognize you, but we're all busy not recognizing each other. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of hard to do when you walk into a crowded room, isn't it? I don't recognize yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. I don't see you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a. It was a big, big deal. Probably as as important as uh, anything that happened during the Reformation uh, for Anglicans during yeah. the English Reformation. So it's it's a it's it's a big um, thing that happened. Even though there are not many Anglicans, you know, especially not in America, around the world there are millions of Anglicans, but. It's a small kind of thing in the West. Yeah, but cataclysmic in what happened. Yes, it was. It was. There's been a, an archbishop in that chair in Canterbury since Augustine went from Rome. Wow. In the I've lost my number of years. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Very early after, and then of course the English Church, the Church of England, became a Reformation church in the 1500s. And people know about Henry VIII, uh, but he was sort of, you know, one of those parts of the story, but not the whole thing. And so for 500 years, Anglicanism, Anglican, the Church of England has been a faithful church and and continuously since, you know, Christianity went to um, England from Rome. Uh, so this, what happened this last um in in April, really um, overturns uh, 500 years of of polity of church polity, and I think it's really important for other kind of denominations to look at because as churches split and divide over the issues of the day, um, what our church has been dealing with for 25 years is a, a cautionary tale to say the least. Hmm. So 25 years now, I, you know, as you're, as you're speaking and I'm thinking about where we are church wise, you know, especially here in the United States, it, it, it would have been hard to believe 30 years ago 
what was happening right now in American culture, let alone within the church, that we are wrestling with the idea of human sexuality. And it's reaching all, all corners, right? I mean, the far corners and people who would not have a care for this. I mean, you know, someone who's drinking a Bud Light or whatnot or going to shop at Target, all of a sudden you're drawn into something. Yeah, it's so interesting. We Our church did begin to deal with this in the 90s. The Anglican Communion started to feel the shifts of this in the 90s in a real way uh, before all the other denominations that are feeling it now. And so we've done the work, as they say, to, mm. to grapple with these issues. It is really interesting to see it hit not just the church, but the whole culture in such a brief time. And everybody's having to make a decision about what they think a human person is and what they think identity is. and so it, it is a difficult time, but Anglicans who are unlikely characters have, you know, been dealing with it for a while. <laughs> so, so it's fair to say that Anglicans in some way are ahead of the curve. Just maybe in this one thing. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And also at uh, making kings um, or, a or a consecration of a king, making that look super pretty. <laughs> okay, so, so you were stuck in a room for the entirety of your stay there. But then as you uh, things ended, you did have a chance to travel and see some of the continent, yes? Yes, we, we stopped over in Kenya, and my parents have been working there for the last 15 or 20 years. Nice. And so I grew up in West Africa and I had never been to a game park to see the animals. What? So for the first time in my life, we uh, went and saw some elephants and giraffe and we saw uh, some lions even in the wild. So that was pretty amazing. <laughs> no, wait, how did you grow up there and not go visit a game park? Just something, just something you missed it somehow. Well, West Africa is not known for its wildlife. I grew up very near the Sahara Desert, mm, okay. and there aren't many kinds of animals left, and there aren't a lot of parks like you would expect to find in Kenya and East Africa. So yeah. West Africans don't get in cars and Drive look around. at the animals. Right. They, they do other interesting things. So how was it to drive around and look at the animals? It was amazing. It, it is I was really skeptical. I thought, well, I don't, I don't need this. I'm not from, well, I am from here, but yeah. uh, I was really impressed even beside myself. And uh, the Mount Kilimanjaro is a hard mountain to see. People mm -hmm. call it a shy mountain because it's always covered in clouds, but it came out for us and we got to see the whole mountain day after day. And, yeah. um, and then when there's, elephants walking along in front of it 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 looks just like what you you know the pictures say it's going to look really? like it was really really amazing it's oh, worth cool. the trouble of going for Fabulous. sure and you know you're so pro prolific in your writing it feels as though that's the center point of many things that you are uh, people want to, to dig, dig deeper into your writings um, you, you had a blog that you were active with for a long time. You got a Substack. Tell us where we can find you. I am I am at least four or five days a week on Substack called Demotivations with Anne. You can look for my name, Anne Kennedy, on Substack. And I am blogging. I'm trying to pick back up at Patheos, Preventing Grace, and I'm over on Stand Firm on Sundays. And I've been writing in a variety of different journals, the Christian Research Journal. 
And I've been writing about GAFCON, so if you want to know more about what's happening, you can find out. Um, I think First Things is going to have a piece out by me and my husband, and I'm going to be in the Christian Research Journal talking more about what it means and why it's important for all Christians to think about. Outstanding. And always a pleasure. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you for having me. Thank you. uh, Everybody gets well. Yeah, me too. Come on, Kath. Ann Kennedy, Ann with an E. You can find her, as she says. I mean, she's everywhere. She really is. An excellent writing, truly. Ann Kennedy. Doing it right. Roofing, siding, remodeling. 15% off on all full roofing and full siding replacements signed in the month of May. Minimum size requirements apply. See website for details or call 724-NEW-ROOF. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-333-1750. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-333-1750. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-333-1750. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-333-1750. 800-333-1750. Are you tired of not getting a good night's sleep? Hey, this is John Hall. Mike Lindell has created the perfect solution. He didn't just stop at the pillow. He also created the Giza Dream Bed Sheets, made from the world's best cotton called Giza. These sheets are ultra-soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. And now, for a limited time, you can get 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets with prices starting as low as $29.98. These sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors and have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Take advantage of this amazing offer. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio podcast square, use promo code WORD at the checkout. You can also find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow 2.0 mattress topper and MyPillow towel sets. Don't wait any longer to get the best sleep of your life. Call 800-391-0954 or go to MyPillow.com now and use promo code WORD. Remember, this sale won't last forever, so don't miss out. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. As a local business owner, you get called every week by marketing companies. We get it. We have hundreds of satisfied customers. Here's what a satisfied client recently said. Open enrollment is going great. We're hitting record numbers. Thank you so much for this report. It really is amazing to see how the marketing is really shaping our enrollment around the city. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? 724 New Roof. How many streaming services do you subscribe to? In our house, I think we have Netflix, Prime, Hulu, uh, maybe <laughs> maybe Paramount, uh, maybe HBO Max. 
you kind of lose track, to be honest. And if you have older adult kids, when the kids were younger, I was paying for for everything. And now the kids have their own. Th- so I go, oh, oh, now how did we have HBO Max? I didn't know we had HBO Max. And the, my kids go, oh yeah, well I, I got that, you know, as a free trial, and so I put it on. So here's the deal. So uh, Netflix now is is going to crack down on um, on uh, password sharing, right? So it's it's going to start. Um, uh, so I wonder. Um, the morality of all this, right? I, I guess it's pretty cut and dried from Netflix perspective. Uh, so, it, you know, uh, in our household, there's four of us. We're all under the household account. So I'm assuming even when my kids are not in the house, like, you know, I mean, they're college or they're in their own place, they're still part of our household account. Uh, Lex, um, talk to me about this. Okay, so we, we've got these uh, weird accounts. I think I've got some uh, things like Paramount and uh, HBO Max that we may be connected to because of my kids. What about you and your um, willingness to sort of skirt that? What? What? <laughs> I think the whole thing is just very um, oblique. Yeah, like I, I think Netflix is pretty money hungry on this one because I believe you can still share the password with other households for a fee. Oh, if I, that might be wrong. Actually, let me look that up. So I'm not just saying, okay, that's okay. But, um, really for a fee, for an additional fee, you're part of the account, but then there's a sort of like a sub account. Yeah. I think it's very, because I I wonder what business Netflix has to be losing a giant share of their business because of this. Oh, they have to be, right? Right. 30%, 40%, maybe more. <laughs> That's what I would think. Right. Um, How much is Netflix? Netflix, I think... See, here's the thing, is that I'm oh, one of the paying. people. I'm one of the people that would be affected by this because I, my sister pays for it. Okay. But she would consider you part of your household, her household? No, because we don't live together, technically. But, like, she would technically... Um, like we are kind of in the scope, like our immediate family, like my mom uses her Netflix and I use her Netflix. So like, well, see, to me, that's family. Yeah. So I, I mean, I get it. You, you don't want to be fraudulent and ripping somebody off, you know, and pe- people, it's kind of like that, you know, like the shoplifting thing. Well, you know, well, don't worry. Insurance will cover that. I mean, it, someone's going to cover it. You know, it, it gets covered by all of us. So not that I'm opining that Netflix, you know, sh- well, they should they should reap the profits of their creativity and the platform that they are on by everyone paying their fair share. I, I have no problem with that. Yeah, but at the same time, um, I think it's a little because the, for the longest time, like social media wise, they have been using um, people sharing passwords as like. Is like a thing. It's like, oh, on Netflix, you can, you've always been able to share passwords yeah. with your friends to spread more information or sure, information sure. or um, so share you're what saying, we're watching. And now all of a sudden, there's a clamp coming down. Yeah. So you're saying that Netflix, in some ways, wants both sides of the street. That they're being disingenuous by wanting you to shut down the account when they've sort of promoted this all along. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I looked it up just to be sure, but it is correct that. Um, they are making you pay an extra fee for password sharing. Okay, how much of an extra fee? Um, does it say? So, like that's so the sub account. So, if mm-hmm. Netflix costs me, is it thirteen bucks a month? Maybe I'm not sure. Look, I don't even know. 
Yeah, the streaming company is limited is limiting password sharing to people living in the same household. Mm-hmm. Account holders can add more people outside of the household for an extra seven ninety nine a month. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's right. an insane amount of money. Eight bucks a month. Yeah. What I do want to say though is Blockbuster uh, tweeted. A friendly reminder that when you used to rent videos from us, we didn't care who you shared it with as long as you returned it on time. Blockbuster? <laughs> yeah, what Is that still doing? an active account? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, is there any Blockbuster stores in this country anymore? I think there's like one. There's like one or two of them, but they barely do anything. Well, those are grand days. The Friday night perusing the aisles of Blockbuster. Oh, yeah. On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Eric. With SRN News, I'm Greg Clugston in Washington. With the clock ticking toward a June 5th default deadline, House lawmakers are set to vote tonight on the debt ceiling and budget deal worked out between the House Speaker and the President. The House Rules Committee voted 7-6 to six to advance the bill, Chairman Tom Cole calling it a product of compromise. We shouldn't allow that to overshadow what this bill accomplishes. It would restrict spending for the next two years while also suspending the nation's debt limit. But South Carolina Republican Ralph Norman, also a member of the Freedom Caucus, was disappointed. We had a real bill that was going to make a difference. We did in the original bill, this being watered down. He and Texas Congressman Chip Roy joined Democrats in opposing the bill's advance. Ben Thomas, Washington. A look at Wall Street. The Dow is down 155 points. The Nasdaq lower by 64. This is SRN News. This is an important notice to consumers facing $10,000 or more in credit card debt, medical bills, or other unsecured debt. You may not be required to pay it all back because there are special programs now in effect that will significantly reduce the amount you will owe if you qualify. This is not bankruptcy or a debt consolidation loan. These programs, which the credit card companies like to keep secret, exist to aid American consumers struggling with overwhelming credit card debt by offering tremendous savings and real debt relief. Accredited Debt Relief has established a special hotline for you to call and learn what savings you qualify for. They've helped qualify consumers with over a billion dollars in debt and are A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. So don't wait. Get the relief you need during these hard economic times. For this free information, call the Accredited Debt Relief Hotline now. Call 800-950-0099. 800-950-0099. That's 800-950-0099. People always ask me, why should I call Mr. Reuter Plumbing? Here's why. Our owner, Bob Bill, learned plumbing from his father who started plumbing in 1964. His father taught him to do it right the first time, and that's what Bob passed on to all of our plumbing technicians today. If you need a plumber, call Mr. Reuter. Always available for big and small jobs. Plus, mention you heard this ad on Word FM and receive 10% off your next service with us. Call 412-Reuter2 today. Inflation is crippling American families, and the current administration sure isn't doing you any favors. It's times like these you need to find ways to spend less wherever you can. One easy way is switching your wireless service to Pure Talk. That's right. Veteran-owned Pure Talk is wireless for Americans by Americans. Instead of wasting their money on thousands of retail stores you'll never go into, famous actors you don't care about, or expensive perks you'll 
ever use. They just want to save you money. In fact, Pure Talk saves the average family almost $1,000 a year, and the coverage is great. The most dependable 5G network in the U.S. You can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of high-speed data for just $30 a month. If you're ready to cut your wireless bill in half, dial pound 250 and say keyword spend less, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, dial pound 250 and say spend less and make the switch to Pure Talk today. When it comes to your child's education, do you feel like you have a partner in your current school? Or is it more like you're on your own? As you look ahead to next year, now's a perfect time to consider a quality Christian education with a school who will be a true educational partner for you and your family. Many of our area's finest Christian schools are offering half-price tuitions for first-time enrollees, like Tri-State Christian Academy in Burkittstown. Find a school that's right for you at wordfm.com slash tuitions. We'll see clear skies for tonight. Expect a nighttime low of 55. Tomorrow, sunshine, very warm. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 88. Clear and moonlit tomorrow night with a low of 59. Mostly sunny and hot Friday. We'll reach a high Friday of 90. A moonlit sky Friday night with a low of 64. Partly sunny Saturday, very warm. Couple of afternoon showers at a high of 89. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, thanks for coming along today, the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. Beautiful day out here. It feels as though as, uh, summer's upon us, even though it's late spring. Kath is off today. She is suffering through an episode of the crud, whatever that might be. Uh, but uh, I'm happy to be with you here. Hey, finally, finally uh, underway after more than four and a half years, the Tree of Life uh, synagogue massacre, the uh, shooter is finally on trial. This is day two of the trial. And um, I would encourage you as much as possible to read along because the news media is sitting in the courtroom and they are reporting uh, uh, quite adroitly uh, on the events of what happened of that day, more than four and a half years ago. This is uh, from today's uh, Trib. Reporters are uh, Paula Reed Ward and Ryan Dito. And uh, on the stand today, uh, they drilled down into the events of those moments. And uh, let me just read you a small piece. Carol Black and her brother, Richard Gottfried, they shared their Jewish faith. They always sat together on the left side of the New Life Sanctuary inside the Tree of Life Synagogue. Together, um, they were uh, as family at the Tree of Life. But on the morning of October the 27th, 2018, Carol Black entered the synagogue building just after the 9.45 a.m. start of Shabbat services. She saw that her brother Gottfried, a member of the men's group there, entered the synagogue a few minutes earlier as she sat in her car finishing a phone call. It was the last time that she would see him alive. Gottfried was one of 11 people killed inside the synagogue that day. On Wednesday, today, Bowers, uh, the trial continued of the shooter, Bowers, continued before U.S. District Judge Robert Colville with multiple witnesses testifying uh, in the morning, including Carol Black and Dorhadesh congregants. Carol Black provided haunting anecdotes of her time hiding in a closet, and she stayed silent while the shooter 
moved by, seemingly looking for more people to shoot. She testified that as she entered the building, she headed to New Life Sanctuary downstairs. She heard her brother in the kitchen discussing preparations for a prayer breakfast with Dan Stein, another member of the congregation. So as Carol Black was removing her yarmulke and prayer shawl from her bag, she heard, she said, what sounded like a metal table crashing to the ground. The sound repeated, and she wondered out loud, what are they doing up there? Then another congregant, Barry Weber, came into the room and said someone was lying on the steps. And Carol Black said she couldn't understand why it took her a while to realize that what's happening was gunfire. She said it, it was perplexing. You just don't go to the synagogue and expect to hear gunfire. Amen to that. She said uh, Rabbi Jonathan Perlman uh, came into the room and then told the three members who were in the sanctuary that they needed to leave immediately. Uh, Perlman motioned Black and two other members to a set of doors through a hallway into a pitch black storage area to hide. She said, I continued to hear gunfire, and then it got louder. And then it became silent. And so one of the people who was hiding with her perceived that it was over. And so Melvin Wax is the man. He's eight, he was 87. He moved to the front of the closet and peeked through a door. And apparently the shooter was in the sanctuary and saw the door move a little, and so he shot Mel. Carol Black said that she remained silent behind the propped open metal door. She said she saw a shadow of the man moving through a crack in the opening, and she said, I just remained calm. It just occurred to me if I remained calm, I would not give my position away. She kept repeating to herself that she would be okay. Eventually, she said she heard voices and the sounds of police radio transmissions. She said, I thought to myself, okay, they're coming to save us. Two Pittsburgh SWAT officers positioned themselves around her and other people in the room and ushered them out of the building. She said, I had to step over her friend, 87-year-old man Mel, to get out of the space. And she said, I just quietly said to myself, goodbye to him, goodbye Mel. And as she left with the officers, she said, my brother's in there. She said, you got to go get my brother. And minutes later, as she sat in a Pittsburgh police patrol car, she said she, said she heard a, another radio transmission. She said, I heard them say, eight confirmed dead, and the others had been taken to the hospital. And she said, my prayer was that my brother was one of the people being taken to the hospital. But uh, he was not. He had uh, been shot and killed inside the tree of life. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I've been waiting a long time for this trial to happen. I mean, the wheels of justice has mo have moved very, very, very slowly during this trial. And I believe the prosecutors are, are, are very simply going to lay this out. I mean, you know, yesterday, the shooter's uh, lawyers, they said, look, we know that he's guilty, basically. We know, you know, he's admitted to this. He's confessed. And so really what, what what's on trial is that this man, the shooter, is going to die in prison. So will it be by a natural death? Will he live in prison until God takes him? Or will the state take his life? That's really what, what this whole thing's about. And this is going to go on for at least a month, perhaps longer. But winding down, all these voices will be heard. All these stories will be said. The names of the dead will be mentioned again and again and again. And I truly do believe because anti-Semitism is deeply on the rise. I mean, it's shocking. 
I don't. I never in my life remember a time when Jews in this country have been so hated. What the heck? It happened last night. I mean, you know, uh, in a public park, people are, are putting anti-Semitic stickers on playgrounds. What is wrong with us? It's a good thing that this is happening, that the wheels of justice are moving forward. And we should pay attention to this because we must stand in solidarity with our Jewish brothers and sisters. It's a given. We must. As God, as God calls out the nation of Israel, as believers in Jesus, then we should be one with them. That's my belief. That's my prayer. That peace will reign, that God will be on the throne, and that all of us will recognize the power of Christ in our lives. If you're an evangelist and you see Jewish brothers and sisters, we must speak the truth. But to know that these men and women are under attack, it's the same as you and I are under attack. I truly do believe that. God bless the tree of life. We'll take a quick break, step away. When we do come back, the doctor is in. Dr. Kurt Thompson is going to be with us here in just a few minutes. And... uh We're going to talk about taking our family wherever we go. That's next here on The Ride Home. Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's 101.5 Word FM, WORD. 101.5 WORD. The intriguing story of Esther is heating up. This week on Through the Bible, Haman's plan to destroy the Jews is set in motion, and the newly crowned queen risks her life. Who will live? Who will die? How will God's plan unfold? Well, don't miss the drama and spiritual lessons as Dr. J. Vernon McGee leads us through this fascinating book. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. I'll never forget my first pair of Jordans. I mowed neighbors' lawns all summer to save up because I was certain those Jordans were going to make me touch the rim. But then the new shoe blister, to which I gritted my teeth and kept wearing them because blisters go away, but brand new Jordans are forever. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, and this is exactly like buying a new home right now. Interest rates are higher, an annoying short-term blister, but home prices have come down quite a bit, creating a big opportunity. Because interest rates can go away, but the price you pay for a new home is forever. We've got hundreds of listeners buying their dream home now, while prices have dropped, with a plan to refinance the interest rate blister down the road. We have a direct lender advantage that can often get you a better rate, and we provide a $1,000 lender credit at closing to all our radio friends. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Corp, Melbourne, New York. And a blessing for 1330. That's the Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage lender license 22672. Oil investments involve a high degree of risk and actual results may vary. Oil and natural gas keep going up as the Russia conflict escalates. Get in on the next major oil boom now and help the U.S. with your patriotic investment that can potentially pay you monthly income for up to 20 or more years. That's the sound of a producing oil well and the sound of a smart investment. If you're an SEC-accredited investor and have at least 25000 liquid now, you can take advantage of Encore Energy's projects and a huge tax savings for this year. If you invest in oil and natural gas, you're allowed to write off nearly 100% of your investment in the first year. Goldman Sachs is projecting oil to go up to $100 a barrel, and natural gas is the fuel of the future and trading at record prices. Call 800-287-6691. Encore Energy is 
is a major investor and experienced operator in its core area of operations. Call now and learn how to deduct 100% of your investment and create 20 or more years of potential monthly income. Call 800-287-6691. That's 800-287-6691. In the ever-changing landscape of sexual and identity politics, how should the church respond? Monday, June 12th, Trinity School for Ministry continues its pastoral response series with the rise and triumph of the modern self. A day-long seminar plus evening public lecture with renowned author and professor Dr. Carl Truman to help pastors, youth pastors, parents, teachers, and students understand how we got here and how to address the challenges ahead. The 7 p.m. public lecture is free. For seminar registration, go to tsm.edu slash pastoral. Dr. Kurt Thompson's back with us. He's been a regular guest of our show over the years. Kurt Thompson is a psychiatrist in private practice in Falls Church, Virginia, author of The Soul of Shame, retelling the stories we believe about ourselves, and his latest, The Soul of Desire, discovering the neuroscience of longing, beauty, and community. Dr. Thompson, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? John, I am doing well, and I'm Glad to be talking to you on this beautiful day. Coming to you here from Northern Virginia. Fabulous, and it's here in Western Pennsylvania as well. It's gorgeous too, Kurt. So today, uh, this is really interesting to me. You, you came to talk about families. Yeah, yeah, I did. We uh, we want to we want to for our listeners just to be curious about and be aware of uh, many of our families at this time of day at about five fifteen are either on their way or getting ready to leave home from work where I would want to assure you, wherever that work is, you've taken your family today. Taking because family. we take, yeah, we've taken our family everywhere we go. I, I think of the, uh, you know, you, dad, you, know, you bring your dad to school day or your dad like brings your son or bring your daughter to work day. Yeah. We're, we actually are taking our families everywhere we go. Uh, so much so that uh, as it turns out, John, there is, a greater than uh, just random chance that we end up entering uh, into workplaces, entering into churches, entering into uh, educational systems that oddly enough, more likely than not, look an awful lot like what it was for us to be in our families growing up. Interesting. So we, yeah. So you're saying, so we're on the air right now and your wife and your kids, my wife and my kids, your mom and dad, your aunts and uncles, in some way, they're all there with you, with me. That's right. That's right. And we often find this to be the case. I mean, one of the things that we find uh, just from a, from a neurobiological standpoint and from an attachment research standpoint is the power that our primary attachment figures and systems have with us. And so we don't just grow up with a relationship with a mom or with a dad. We grow up with a relationship with the system itself. Hmm. The system itself is kind of larger than the sum of its parts. It's like any time if you're going to eat an apple pie, it's not just, uh, you know, apples separated from the filling, separated from the crust. Like it's an apple pie. The whole thing has a taste to it. And in this way, we're, our systems, our families are not just collections of individuals siloed off from one another. The system itself exerts a certain power that we often then pass on to our children and our children grow up and pass it on to their children. And we see this right on the first pages of the Bible. Hmm. All we have to do is open the book of Genesis and we see time after time after time 
where families pass down to their children and their grandchildren particular tendencies. And we wonder, well, why, like I, I would have thought that Isaac would have learned better. His father, Abraham, twice, not once, but twice, gave his wife, Sarah, over as a sex slave to somebody else to save his own skin. You'd think that Isaac would think, well, that's not a very good idea. And then you find Isaac doing the same thing to Rebecca. And you wonder, how did that happen? These men who claim to be followers of Yahweh. Well, the same thing can be said for us, but we don't just pass this on to our children. We also pass this on to and look for, whether we know it or not, we tend to gravitate towards systems that feel very much like the ones in which we grew up. Hmm. That's interesting. What we will find then is that if we, uh, if, if we had parents who were pretty authoritarian, we would be more likely than less likely by chance to find ourselves in churches that tend to be more authoritarian in their polity, in the way that they operate. And so when we find ourselves in jobs that feel very much like they're not fitting well with us, and we like, and we say, like, oh my goodness, I'm actually in a job in which my boss feels very much like my mom, who every time you know she got upset or angry with me would stop talking to me for a week. Hmm. Or the, the, the opposite is equally true. Um, if you are someone, if you're listening to this and you are a boss in someone's, uh, in, in, in an organization or you own your own company, you need to recognize that you are going to be the parent figure for the people that work for you most closely. Yeah. You are going to be that one who enters into a family and you are the parent. If you are the leader, whoever you're leading, you need to understand that the people who are working for you, their attachment processes are going to be turned on and activated with you such that when they are responding to your leadership style, it's not just because they're responding to you. Something is going on between you and them that has to do with the family that they are also bringing to work, mm -hmm. which is important for us to recognize that when we say, well, I'm having trouble with my boss or I'm having trouble with this one employee, it really uh, invites us to be curious about what are the other things that happened to me or that happened to them in their life outside of work that I could be curious about that can help me better understand what's actually happening here. And the same thing goes for our churches, because what we know that we're doing all the time, John, we are either moving toward or farther away from the ultimate family system that is the Holy Trinity. This system of father, son, and spirit who live in relationship with each other, with an outpouring of love toward each other, with the intention to create beauty and goodness in the world with each other, that are willing to sacrifice for each other, but also live unflinchingly ready to make demands. When we are told to love God like we love nothing else, that's a demand. Yeah. Like, it's a way to say, like, this is the way that we have to live. And if we don't live like this, this is going to be a problem. And we have all kinds of ways in which our family wounds and unhealed uh, injuries make their way onto the landscape in such a way that we don't really often know what to do with our families. Mm -hmm. Jesus, for example, think of this in Mark chapter 2 and 3. We read that the neighbors 
we get the first psychiatric diagnosis of Jesus because the neighbors, Jesus' neighbors, after Jesus has been healing people and preaching, the neighbors go to his family and they say, he has lost his mind. And so you'd think that the family, you'd think Mary, you'd think that they would have said, excuse me, neighbors, um, actually, he knows exactly what he's doing and he's going to be fine and we're going to be fine and you're going to be fine. But no. They are too embarrassed. They're too ashamed. They're too uncomfortable with something that the neighbors are doing. And we've all had those situations where because of our family, we have this mold that we have to fit into. And so the family come to find him. And when they finally do, they find him teaching in a packed house. And this is the famous story where word is sent up to those who were near him. Your mother and brothers are here and they are calling for you. <laughs> and what does he do? He redefines family in that moment. Think about it. He is a firstborn Jewish male. And publicly, he declares, he asks the question when his mother asks for him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Who are my sisters? I mean, the gall yeah. of someone saying this publicly. And what he then says is, the one who does the will of my father, she is my mother. She is my sister and my brother. And so we recognize that in Mark chapter 3, Jesus is setting the new template, the new standard for what family looks like. Mm. And so when we find ourselves in any of these social settings, be that at church or at work or at school, in which we are either in leadership or we are followership, we can have a sense of whether or not people are actually addressing their own wounds by virtue of the degree to which they are working really diligently to be people of loving kindness mm -hmm. as they work at their work or as they do their work at their school or teaching or whatever it is that they're doing. And to the degree that they're not, we can say, wow, we're just like all those families in Genesis that even though you know they were patriarchs, they had so much trouble doing what God wanted them to do, and yet he didn't give up on them. And this is what's the really good news, is that even Jesus, who had to deal with his own personal family in a way that was not so enjoyable, not easy, yeah. he did not give up on them. And it was his brother, James, who became the primary apostle at the Church of Jerusalem and who fell under Herod's sword, loving his brother and his king until the day of his death. So when that happened, when Jesus' mother and his brother showed up and Jesus re rebuked them in some way, I wonder if Mary felt the slap of that and her response. Well, I, I, you know, you, you would think, I mean, what, you know, we had a bit of a taste of this uh, in Luke chapter two, when Jesus is, you know, he's 12 years old yeah. and he's in the temple. And, you know, his parents come to find him and his mother speaks to him and she's upset. And yes. he says, excuse me, did you not know? Like he's unapologetic. Yeah. He's unapologetic about having been noticed. He didn't say, I'm sorry. It does say that he then obey, obeyed her, but he was unapologetic about this, that even Mary was one who was in need of redemption. Mm -hmm. Like I need to be redeemed. You know, one of the things that we talk about with many of our patients who 
uh, you know, who deal either with adult children or with parents who have a hard time, as Jesus would say, doing the will of the father. Uh, you know, often their worry is, gosh, what do I do with the fifth commandment to honor my father and my mother so that it will go well with me in the land? And we remind them that a full bodied interpretation of this is that the Hebrews idea behind this is to say it is it is the command for you to live honorably before your parents. To honor your parents, to honor your father and mother is not to only ever do what they tell you to do or to acquiesce to their bad behavior or expectations. It is to live honorably before them in the land. And sometimes to live honorably before our families of origin is to actually move out of that system. It is actually to begin to do something different than what the system wants you to do by squeezing you into its mold. Yes. This often is not easy to do, and it requires the company of others who can help strengthen your capacity to do this. Mm. But nonetheless, when we do this, we discover that that healing journey that we become, that we enter on uh, into, Though it is a disruptive technology, it's disruptive for the family system, it actually becomes the source for the healing the family needs in the long term, which is exactly who Jesus became for his own family of origin. Amen. Kurt, that's so interesting. I mean, it's extremely complex. I'm sure you've spent many, many years with hundreds, if not a thousand patients or more, drilling down into this looking at the family system and trying to find some sort of, if not peace, at least sense of what people have gone through, and then the greater family as well. That's right. And I, and I would say, uh, John, you know, uh, you know, I'll just, I'm just going to say this. So one of the things that, that we need to recognize, that when Jesus says, who is my mother, who's my brother, sister, and so forth, let's just remember that uh, in the near Middle Eastern cultures where at the time of Jesus to the only person you called brother or sister or mother or father were the people that literally were in your biological family for Paul to come for Jesus to say who is my brother the one who does the will of my father and no it doesn't have to be my biological brother this was a radical departure from the uh f from this kind of like uh, sequestered, we are only going to be tribal. Uh, but when we start to say brother and sister to anyone who is a follower of the king, yeah. even if you're a Gentile, this is radical, if not blasphemous to some ears. And so what Jesus is saying is that in those spaces where we discover that, gosh, we have family histories and family stories where uh, we have not been loved well, this is where the church steps to the front and says, you can be if your father didn't love you well there will be men in this body who will love you well if your mother didn't love you well there will be women in this body who will love you well there will be brothers and sisters who will love you well and in this way we are all living into jesus vision of this new family excellent that's beautiful my brother kurt thompson thank you so much for that good word thank you good okay. to be with you john you as well dr kurt thompson two wonderful books the soul of shame the Soul of Desire, Dr. Kurt Thompson, psychiatrist in private practice in Falls Church, Virginia. As a young adult, your college years, of course, are extremely pivotal. It's the time to discover who you are 
and if you're fortunate and you are involved in Christian life, to discover your God-given calling in life. Because the world calls and says, oh, your college career is all about your future self and making your income to provide for your life. But, of Mm -hmm. course, life is much more than that. And there are limitless numbers, seemingly limitless numbers of colleges that will help your child down that path to figure out how to make the The most money, right? to find the most jobs, all those sorts of things, all important things to consider. However, how many schools are there that are going to help your child prepare to go out into the world, to be an effective witness for Christ, to be a person who's able to work in their chosen field in a way that is a calling, whether they're being trained as a mechanical engineer or they're being trained as someone in business or an elementary school teacher, whatever it is, looking at that job as their vocation that is given to them by God and that God can work through them in a magnificent way because of their own individuality. How many colleges are going to prepare a child to look at it that way? That would be Grove City College. Eternal biblical truth in all the teachings gcc.edu, Grove City College. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I am Danica Bourne. And And we're we're the the owners owners of South Coast Coast Tax. Tax. We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, He is my refuge and my fortress, for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys who specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We are also a small firm who will treat you like family and not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation. And we'll take the time to explain all the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. In John 836, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And one way we can achieve that is by being debt free. So let us help you today. Call us at 1-800-TAX-1176 and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS tax debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, Play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Are you hiding an addiction problem? You don't know where to go or who to talk to? We understand. Call Narconon for a free and confidential consultation. You don't have to go it alone. Call Narconon, 877-413-413. 3073. That's 877-413-3073. Or com. We'll see clear skies for tonight. Expect a nighttime low of 55. Tomorrow, sunshine, very warm. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 88. Clear and moonlit tomorrow night with a low of 59. Mostly sunny and hot Friday. We'll reach a high Friday of 90. A moonlit sky Friday night with a low of 64. Partly sunny Saturday, very warm. Couple of afternoon showers at a high of 89. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Earlier today, I, uh, I turned on YouTube. Is that a thing? Do you turn on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, I turned on YouTube. And I was surprised to see that NASA, NASA, the space people, were in, in the middle of a four-hour live event talking about extraterrestrials. Uh, It's their first public meeting ever on UFOs, a year after NASA uh, launched um, 
a study into unexplained sightings. And so NASA televised the four-hour hearing, and they featured an independent panel of experts who vowed to be transparent. And so uh, it came to this. Uh, here's a quote. This is this is the money quote. I want to emphasize. I want to emphasize this loud and proud. There is absolutely no convincing evidence for extraterrestrial life associated with unidentified objects," said NASA's Dan Evans during the meeting. Still, there were hundreds of questions from the public that poured in ahead of time. Many were skeptical and veered into, imagine this, conspiracy theories. NASA launched the study to prove uh, what it calls UAPs, short for Unexplained Anomalous Phenomenon, in the sky, in the space, or under the sea. Optical illusions can explain some of this, said Kelly, a former Navy fighter pilot. He recalled a, a Tomcat flight off of Virginia Beach years ago, during which his radar intercept officers in the back seat was convinced that they'd flown past a UFO. It turns out that uh, it was um, uh, Bart Simpson, a balloon, Kelly said. And in my experiences, the sensors kind of have the same uh, issues as people's eyeballs. So, all right. So NASA's saying that UFOs are Bart Simpson. <laughs> Lex, I, I see you in that uh, control room shaking your head. You were hoping for a better outcome, eh? Man, I was hoping aliens were real. <laughs> well, I mean, if NASA's telling us that, uh, do you believe NASA? I mean, I want to believe NASA for sure. Yeah. But, you know, who knows what they're saying? <laughs> we we love our conspiracy theories. Yeah. That's what we the love. The tinfoil hat's coming yes. on. No. <laughs> I mean, four hours. I, I just literally watched it for 10 seconds. I was like, oh, just out of curiosity, what's going on here? But this team of independent, what, experts gathered. Mm -hmm. You would think that they would do so with a little bit of trepidation because your reputation, your professional reputation would be on the line. Yeah. Um, I always think, every time I think like, oh, there's a conspiracy theory probably, mm -hmm. I always think about how a lot of people also think that um, – a lot of – I worked at a TV station for a very long – or not very long time. I didn't work there very long. But I worked there for about a year. And yeah. a lot of the things is like, oh, like they're just saying that. Like I've heard just a lot of interesting theories about um, a small town TV station and like news. And it's always like we don't – that's not our, our – <laughs> we're not hiding anything from the public. At least not willingly, you know. We're hoping so, to report the news, not create the news. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I I want to say that NASA is probably the same way of people who are like, we are just trying to give you the best information. Yes. I'm sure if there was something to report on, I'm sure within reason they would probably do so. Well, belief in the truth of what the government is telling us probably is at an all-time low. For sure. So uh, take it for what it's worth, right? But four hours with NASA – I mean, that's significant. Right? I, I love space, so yeah, I too. might go back and watch all of that. Excellent. <laughs> okay, we're taking a quick break. Uh, focus on the family. Uh, we're going to talk about Pride Month. Here we go. It's coming up next. 101.5 WORD. Your station for unlimited grace with Brian Chapel. What we could not know, what we could not claim in ourselves, God is providing. This, this notion of the heavens themselves gushing the knowledge of God is an expression of the graciousness of God of making himself known to us. 
Unlimited Grace with Brian Chappell tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. This is a special alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to a decline in the economy, CarShield is announcing a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that is now available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on future auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. Pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. An open phone line has been established for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-353-2973 now. Drivers who are covered will not have to pay for covered repairs again. This protection plan is at an all-time low. Additionally, drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Call us for your free quick quote today. 800-353-2973. That's 800-353-2973. What do you have to lose? Call 800-353-2973. Again, 800-353-2973. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better... Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he's discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now has a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, coolest pillow you'll ever own. Hey, this is John Hall. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is by one get one free with promo code word my pillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100 made in the usa and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee just go to mypillow.com click on the radio listener square to the buy one get one free offer just when you thought my pillow couldn't get any better my pillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever enter promo code word or call 800-391-0954 to get your my pillow 2.0s now Is your school a true partner in your child's education? They should be. Pittsburgh's Christian schools agree. If you're looking for a safe environment where kids can learn, challenge, and grow with highly qualified teachers who are not only caring but accessible, where academic excellence goes hand-in-hand with character development, consider Christian education. Right now, local Christian schools are offering half-price tuitions for first-time enrollees, like Walnut Grove Christian School in West Mifflin. Visit wordfm.com slash tuitions. It's the last day of May, which means tomorrow we'll wake up, turn the calendar. It will be June 1. And for the uninitiated, of course, uh, June is Pride Month. Uh, You should know that by now. And at least for me, I don't want to be a jerk. I don't want to be a scold. I don't want to be an idiot in any way. A hate-filled bigot, whatever you want to say that. But, as always, and of course this will make people roll their eyes, it will come back to our kids. And what Pride Month is, and of course people's, your kids might say, what's this all about? I, I like the pretty rainbows. What does all this mean? Well, we're happy right now to go back to uh, Focus on the Family. And uh, Jeff Johnson is with us. Jeff is the cultural and policy analyst for Focus on the Family. Here today to talk to us about what's happening tomorrow. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. Hello, John. Thanks for having me on the broadcast. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Okay, so 
here it is, Jeff. And of course, um, it feels as though it's kind of never ending that we, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're engaged in the process of deciphering this new age that we live in, uh, in the world. Uh, say what you will want about uh, Bud Light or Target or any other number of corporations. But it feels as though that corporate America and their millions of dollars are forcing this upon us. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say it's coming through the corporate world, and part of that is because you have activist groups like the Human Rights Campaign, and they've been evaluating corporations for years about how they respond to LGBT issues, and all the corporations want to get 100% evaluation from this activist group. But you're also getting this from schools, uh, arts and entertainment. It's on social media. So this is coming at kids from a lot of different places, and it's part of the reason why we're seeing such a huge uptick in children, especially teens, adolescents and teens who are identifying as LGBT or one of the other letters in the alphabet. Right. I mean, there was a time, and of course I'm old enough to remember this, I mean, I've been around since the 60s, and so this was something that was not mainstream America, but now it's as mainstream as mom and apple pie. And so because it's upon us, and especially as we're believers, like I said when you came in, you don't want to be an idiot about this. At the same time, you have to have a conversation about this, yeah? Exactly. Um, Parents need to be informed about what's happening and about these issues. They need to understand them in a biblical way. And you've got to start talking to your children. And at Focus on the Family, we suggest that you start young. Now, at a young age, you're not talking to kids about having sex. You're talking to them about God's good design, that he made us male and female in his image, and that he created marriage as a good thing to be between a mom and a dad so that kids would have a safe place to grow up. So you're you're talking with little kids about this, first of all, and you're setting a foundation for them. A friend of mine told me recently, she said, you want to be the first person to talk to your kids about these issues, because whoever they hear it from first, that's what they're going to remember, and that's what they're going to listen to. So you start with a biblical basic foundation. We're male and female, marriage is between a husband and wife, um, and you talk to them about how sin has entered the world, and so people are broken, but God paved a way for us through the cross to come back to him. And of course, you want to tell them that we love everybody, even if we disagree with them. And and so you teach your kids how to do that, too, how to lovingly disagree with people. You want to teach them the truth and you want to teach them how to love. That's really good. I mean, I love that idea. It's important that it comes from you first, from from mom and dad first. Right. Because that's who they trust. That's you know, you're going to hear it from your mom and dad and their voice and their truth and their love. Well, then that, that'll have a deep impression. But but what happens in the culture and in schools that promote the, the, the you know, LGBT agenda? I mean, it, it's a little overwhelming, isn't it? Oh, it's it's very overwhelming. And. Uh, just so parents are informed, Pride is not just uh, taking place in June. You can go online and you can find Pride events from January to December all across the calendar. And there are you know, different cities, different states. They celebrate it differently. So it's not just in J- June. It's March and January and August and October. And so you have to be prepared for this, again, by laying a foundation with your kids and then When they're old enough to understand, you begin talking to them about homosexuality and transgenderism. 
And I helped create a couple of really simple resources. They're free downloadables for parents. One is how to talk to your children about homosexuality. Another one is when transgender issues enter your world. And we talk about different ages, what you would talk to your children. You know, a five-year-old would be very different from a 12-year-old and how to handle these issues, a biblical worldview on them. And then we, we offer different scenarios. You know, you're out there and your child sees two men holding hands and they look up at you. What are you going to say about this? So it's important for parents to be prepared and think ahead of time about what they are going to tell their children about this. That, you know, there are people who grew up confused about who they are and about what marriage is and about God's good design. And, you know, God loves them very much, but they're confused and they're wrong on these issues. And you can teach your children that, and they'll probably be happy with that answer at a young age. Now, a little bit older, you're going to have to go into more detail about it. Um, but hopefully you've laid that foundation already, and you are prepared ahead of time to deal with this. And and again, you want to be the first one to talk to your kids about these issues. You want to set the stage. You're the parent. You're the expert. Um, you love your children, and you want what's best for them. And, and you mentioned schools. Um, some schools today are even teaching children that their parents might not be safe and that they might not be able to trust them that, you know, you might want to talk to a teacher about these issues. So you want to get in there ahead of time, build an ongoing relationship where you're talking about difficult, important topics all the time. Not this, just this issue, but other issues as well. Um, because this is being introduced into schools through a lot of different ways. That's good. We're talking with Jeff Johnson. He's a culture and policy analyst for Focus in the Family. But Jeff, you know, you, you know the bullet points, of course, because, you know, um, LGBTQ will say, uh, you know, uh, Christians are just obsessed about sex. Uh, you should mind your own business. And, and, you know, the bottom line is love is love. Well, yeah. Uh, no, there are different kinds of love. There's inappropriate love. Um, you know, Christians, we know that adultery is wrong. We know that fornication is wrong. We know that pornography is wrong. And so, again, you start with God's design, and then you go from there to the sin issues. Um, and and we do have solid arguments that God's design is best and his way is best for us. And, and children especially thrive when they're raised by a loving mother and father, and especially by believers who teach them the truth, who are courageous, and also teach them how to love others. That's good. You know, Jeff, I'm always uh, curious about these groups, these you know self-policing groups who identify you know other Christian organizations as hate groups. Uh, Southern Poverty Law Center has you know risen up in the last couple of decades, where you know well they'll reach out, and all of a sudden you know the church, uh, you know the body of Christ in many ways is perceived, especially from a secular perspective, as hate-filled which I believe is so deeply far from the truth, but it's all, of course, in, in how we reach out, how we connect, and, and our messaging with the culture. Yes, and, and parents need to know this is where the culture is today. You know, gay, gay pride started some 50 years ago in 1969 and 70, and it's been building and growing every year till it's a year-round bacchanalia, a year-round festival. And parents need to know that we've moved from a culture that is friendly towards Christianity to a culture where businesses, schools, different groups are hostile towards Christianity. I used to say that we need to speak the truth in love, um, that we need both truth and grace. But now I tell people, in addition to those two things, you also have to be wise. 
So you have to understand the issues and be smart about how you talk about them, and you have to be courageous. Um, if this is in your child's school, if you find out they are being taught something that's inappropriate, um, you don't want to rush in there in a rampage. You want to think through what you're going to yeah, talk about and good. approach the school carefully. And um, a couple of years ago, we released a re resource with the Family Policy Alliance. It's called Back to School for Parents. And it talks about some of the ways this is being introduced into schools. Some of it is through comprehensive sex ed. Some of it is books in classrooms and libraries, and not just school libraries, but also the teachers' books that they bring into the classroom. Mm. Some teachers bring this in. The, you can find all kinds of curriculum online uh, to teach these issues to children. And so it might not be even in their textbook or in their planned curriculum, but they might bring in outside, outside resources. So parents need to be watchful. It's very different from it was from the way it was sixty or seventy years ago. Yeah. Seventy years ago, we don't live in that kind of world anymore. We sure don't. I, I mean, the difficulty of being a parent in, in today's world, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I'm reading uh, today locally in in our local papers here in the city of Pittsburgh. You know, the the teachers are being um, sort of taught you, you must teach from a cultural lens. As though, you know, the culture reinforces English and mathematics and, and all things. And, and so there's lawsuits about that, that, you know, everything has become culturalized. And, and I, the difficulty, my kids are grown, even though, you know, they're in their 20s. Of course, you always still be a parent. We have these conversations. Uh, God bless you for the work that you do, because we need every resource we can. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And. You know, it, uh, this isn't just introduced through sex ed or through social studies. Um, schools that use um, diver teach diversity, equity, and um, inclusion, they're starting to br include in that sexual orientation and gender identity. So that it's not just about race anymore. It's also about a person's sexual orientation and gender identity. And that's part of what they call intersectionality. Right. And so it comes, you know, it comes in teacher trainings, comes in all different kinds of way. And we want to be help parents be res, uh, prepared with all kinds of resources. So I can send you some links to a couple of different things that would be helpful for parents and even grandparents, aunts and uncles, um, pastors and teachers to understand these issues and to be able to explain them to children when the topics come up. Fabulous. Great. We'll, we'll take those resources, Jeff. But people who are listening right now, uh, an easy first step is to do what? Um, easy first step is begin talking to your young kids about God's good design. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that's an easy first step. Another thing you might want to do is go to Focus on the Family. Yeah. We have a whole page. Um, you just need to plug in a search term, transgender resources or homosexuality resources. And there's books, there's articles, there's free downloadable PDFs, there's um, questions and answers that we've got online that people can access that will help them, first of all, understand the issues. Jeff, thanks an awful lot. Focus on the family, great resource. I'll never forget my first pair of Jordans. I mowed neighbors' lawns all summer to save up because I was certain those Jordans were going to make me touch the rim. But then the new shoe blister, to which I gritted my teeth and kept wearing them because blisters go away, but brand new Jordans are forever. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, and this is exactly like buying a new home right now. Interest rates are higher, an annoying short-term blister, but home prices have come down quite a bit, creating a big opportunity. Because interest rates can go away, but the price you pay for a new home is forever. We've got hundreds of listeners buying their dream home now, while prices have dropped. 
with a plan to refinance the interest rate blister down the road. We have a direct lender advantage that can often get you a better rate, and we provide a $1,000 lender credit at closing to all our radio friends. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Corp. Melbourne, New York. And a blessing for 1330. That's the Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672. Balance of Nature's Fruits and Vegetables in a Capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. Oh, I love it. I have so much more energy. But the real story is my mother, who is 83 and was just feeling really terrible. And I gave her a set of fruits and veggies to take for, you know, to try it. And within two weeks, she's a different person. She loves it. She's so energetic. It's just, it's awesome. Start your journey to better health with Balance of Nature. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com to get 35% off your first preferred order. That's 1-800-246-8751. Go to balanceofnature.com or call 1-800-246-8751 and get this special offer by using discount code BALANCE. In the ever-changing landscape of sexual and identity politics, how should the church respond? Monday, June 12th, Trinity School for Ministry continues its pastoral response series with the rise and triumph of the modern self. A day-long seminar plus evening public lecture with renowned author and professor Dr. Carl Truman to help pastors, youth pastors, parents, teachers, and students understand how we got here and how to address the challenges ahead. The 7 p.m. public lecture is free. For seminar registration, go to tsm.edu pastoral. Trip to Europe. Visit all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. Go skydiving. Okay, so you know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane of Accurate Solutions Group Saturdays at 10 a.m. to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do the things you've always dreamt about doing in retirement. Listen every Saturday morning at 10 to Your Retirement Blueprint with Accurate Solutions Group. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. So I will end today's show the same way I began this show, which is to say, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And to be that agent of peace in this brutal and harsh world that we live in. And the best place to find the peace, of course, is the peace of God in all of our lives. And that's available to us by prayer, by daily prayer, right? To pray without ceasing. It's there. Christ's peace is available for all of us. And in and, and these, these brutal and hard times that we live in, and I know that every age shares with it, you know, it's its own trails, uh, troubles and travails. But man. Doesn't it feel like things are just off the chain? It just feels so deeply difficult right now. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be the parent of young children and to navigate here we are culturally. Uh, Isn't it often best? I feel this way. I feel often when I don't read the paper, when I don't listen to national or local news, when I'm left with my own devices of my family and those I love around me, and the church resources, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm much, health, I'm much healthier. I know that. I'm not saying that we should all go on a, you know, a complete and total fast of all things worldly. But at the same time, right, the benefits are there. Clearly that they are. Now, I know, of course, you know, 
even ancient man, man who has been around for 2,000 years or more, suffered with the troubles and travails of what it is to be alive. Those arrows that pierce us, our mind, how delicate it is. Anyway, peace be with you and also with you in this brutal and hard world that we live in. I would encourage you this evening to be an agent of peace, to go home with a smile on your face, to look at those that you know and love and to see that God has given us this place in time. He has called us here in this moment to know him and to love him and to be part of his ministry of peace on earth and to speak the truth in love. Have yourself a great night. Say your prayers. And God willing, we'll see you tomorrow. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.